You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. We've been talking about praying. Last week we began to pray and talk about praying in other tongues. Now in our church, you know, some of you have been coming here a long time and some of you are new. Uh, you know, if you grew up like I did, um, I didn't know what other tongues was. As a matter of fact, I was taught in my little church that it was of the devil. And so, um, you know, and when I got filled with the Holy Ghost and my sister got filled with the Holy Ghost, my mom thought we got into a cult. And so she came and deceived to rescue us. And then she got uh, back to the Lord and got filled with the Holy Ghost herself. And then now she's kind of going through the family. So, you know, I don't know how you grew up or maybe you grew up in Pentecost. There's a lot of people that have grown up in this church. So they know, you know, speaking other tongues to them is just not a big deal. So it's just everybody's at different places. And sometimes, whether you don't know anything or it's commonplace to you, we got to go back and look at it. Because what we're talking about is praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues, the effectiveness of it. So last week, if you remember, uh, you know, tongues is the initial evidence, according to Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And they were, you know, suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. Cloven tongues of fire set on them. You know, their wind was blowing. And, and it says, and they began to speak in other tongues. The Spirit of God gave them utterance. Well, sometimes in our circle, they put more of the emphasis on tongues. But tongues is just an evidence of something that happened. What happened? You got power. Everybody say, I got power. Jesus baptized you. Baptismo means full immersion with fire. Somebody say, I got fire. Not just fire insurance. I got the fire of God working on the inside of me. Amen. And so then you take that, then the evidence is, pray, is uh, speaking in other tongues, and there's so many benefits to it. And so we've been talking, we talked a little bit about intercession. Y'all remember back just a number, I don't know when we did that. That may have been uh, back in June or July, I don't remember. But we talked about intercession, how um, we can all pray as believers, we can pray and intercede uh, for someone. Uh, intercession is approaching the king on behalf of someone who has no legal rights. In other words, you and I are born again. We're in covenant with God. Someone who's not born again has no covenant rights. And so we're trying to connect them. Remember what Job said. Remember Job, uh, you know, the devil came after him. God didn't send him. God didn't send the devil. But Job didn't have a covenant. And Job honored God and loved God. But the devil, you know, uh, went, went down there and messed Job up. And when Job was going through it, he said something uh, that it was very true. He said that I have no daysman. I don't have anyone to grab a hold of you, God, and grab a hold of me. I need somebody in the middle. Well, that middle man is Jesus. And the Bible says he's ever living to make intercession. I remember my mamma used to say, if I can't get nobody to pray for me, Jesus is praying for me. And it's true. He's still praying for you. He, he's ever living to make intercession for you. Not, not just for those that are not born again. He, he's, he's, he's there. He's the high priest of your confession. Jesus is not just floating around heaven. He's doing things in his high priestly ministry. He's after the order of Melchizedek. When you tithe, when you give, he's there blessing it. He, he's watching over your words. He's watching over your words. He's the mediator of a better covenant. He's ever living, ever praying to make intercession for you. He's doing something. He has a ministry right now. 
It's different than his earthly ministry, but he has a ministry. And so he needs us to cooperate because it, we're living in an hour and a time when um, so many people, especially in the United States, are backslidden and away from God. You can either get mad at them or you can do what you and I are supposed to do, and that is pray for them. That is minister to them. That is to get them out of the kingdom of darkness and get them translated into the kingdom of light. That is to go after the backslidden who are living in a pig pen. They may not have the wherewithal to come to themselves and get back to daddy's house. They may need you to, to minister to them and help clean them up. I know I was praying about something today because this is what happened in my life. I felt like um, when I was backslidden, I was living in a dunghill. The most unhappy I've ever been is from the age of 16 to about 23. Had everything. New career, new car, new clothes, big apartment, lived in a big city, on the way up, but miserable. Miserable. Why? Because literally outside looked good, but on the inside I was living in a pig pen. Suicidal. Suicidal. Didn't want to live. Didn't care to live. Stupid, but that's where I was. And then, thank God, I got back to the Lord. I got back to the Lord. I had some roots in me, but there was a whole lot of mess on top of it, and that mess was a dunghill. Remember what he said? He'll lift you up out of the dunghill. Y'all know it? Come on, I grew up on a farm. Anybody know what a dunghill is? We called it the manure pile. The manure pile. It stunk. The manure pile. It's nasty. But it does help things grow, naturally speaking. But what else the manure pile does? I don't know where we're going. I knew I was going to go crazy tonight. The manure pile, what it'll do? It'll attract some flies. And it's interesting that the devil is known as Beelzebub, the lord of the flies. So if you live in the dunghill, don't be surprised that the flies are following you around. And the world spent a lot of time swatting flies and don't even know what it is. I'm not talking about the natural things. Those are nasty anyway. Those are just gross. They are. But I was thinking, so I was praying, and the Lord said, as I raise them out of, out of the dung hill, you're going to have to spray them off. <laughs> spray them off with what? The Word of God. It's just like Lazarus getting up out of the tomb. Remember when Jesus says, Lazarus. And remember he just said, Lazarus. Because if he had said, dead folks come forth, all of them would have bounced out. But remember, he was still in his grave clothes. And what did the Lord say? Loose him and let him go. So just because people get born again, even get filled with the Holy Ghost, they still got some grave clothes on them. They still got some dung <laughs> on them. And we got to get out the shears of the word of God. And we got to get out, uh, you know, sometimes I think you got to get the hammer of the word of God and the chisel and get some of that stuff off. Amen. And you sure got to spray that other stuff off of them. Amen. But we've been talking, so we got to intercede. Um, Epaphras was noted for that he prayed fervently in the prayers. He prayed fervently even for the church. Prayer is so important. And you've heard me say this. That's why I just get irritated when I hear people who don't know what they're talking about downplay prayer. They don't understand what prayer is. They've seen it modeled. 
as this one or that one gets up in front of a bunch of people and for a show says a few things that sound religious and holy, but they weren't even talking to God. When you and I pray, we're talking to the Almighty. We're talking to Abba. I'm talking to my daddy. I'm talking to the Father, the Father of light, the Father of life, the one with whom nothing ever changes, the gracious one, the kind one. But again, I'm talking to Almighty. And so when I talk to him, he hears me when I pray. Why? Because I'm righteous. And when I'm righteous, I make tremendous power available. So we've been looking at praying. We've been praying for the lost. We're looking about praying for one another. If we want our nation healed, you know, those who are called by my name, they ought to humble themselves and pray. Seek my face, says the Lord. Then he's going to hear, forgive their sin. I'm not committing sin. Well, a lot of people are. <laughs> forgive their sin, and he's going to heal their land. Amen. Amen. Prayer. Prayer. We talk about being on the wall. Just doing a lot of review right now. Talking about being on the wall. What does that mean? Well, the Lord set watchmen on the wall. He set, he set Isaiah as a watchman on the wall. He set you as a watchman on the wall of your life. Uh, 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 he set you on a watchman on the wall. You ought to be watching over this church. You ought to be watching over our city. You ought to be watching over uh, the United States. You ought to be looking. What does a watchman do? Well, a watchman looks out. And if something good's coming, he'll say, open the door. But if something bad's coming, he'll warn. And he'll, he'll make sure the gates, she, they'll, they'll make sure the gates are shut so that nothing gets in. We got to be watching. Uh, 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 the Bible talks a lot about watching. And the best way to watch, because it's something you can't, one of the things you have to be aware of, how many know we walk by faith, not by sight? Most people, even Christians, even people who love Jesus, even people who are spirit filled, make most of their decisions in life based on what they can see, based off of information, based off of their reality this real world. But really, there's only one person who <laughs> knows everything. He knows the future, and he knows what decision you should make. Remember in James, <laughs> yeah. this is one of those that the Lord will just have to put it all together in the end. Hallelujah. I'm sure he will. He's doing it. James, um, verse 13. Because the Lord is the only one that knows your future. John 16, 13 says this. I know, I just said James. John 16, 13 says this. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he'll not speak of himself, but he'll guide you into all truth, and he'll show. What does that word show mean? Declare. Everybody say declare. declare. Disclose. Do you need some things disclosed to you? You don't have to call Cleo. You don't have to ask a prophet. You don't have to pay $100 and get a prophecy. Amen. You should never pay $100 and get a prophecy. You should never, uh, someone ask for an offering and then prophesy to you. If you're around that, you should run as in terror. Because I guarantee you, that is familiar spirits. And I'll speak of himself, whatever he hears, actually speak. And he'll show, declare, disclose transmit to you. You need to know what's coming. You have arrived in an hour more than any other time. You got to know what's coming. You got to know where to be, where not to be. You got to know where to have your children, where to not have your children. 
You, you, got, you, you might even know which Walmart you need to go to. I just assume you all go to Walmart. Come on. Uh, you know, but you need to be at the right one at the right time. Today, you need to be around the right people. You, you, can't, you can't look at things anymore and say it's all okay. You have to know something. Should I do this? Should I not? I could really meddle. And people ask me stuff, and you know, what are you, uh, and you know, uh, you better know for you. Don't let anyone talk you into anything, and don't let anyone talk you out of anything. You're an individual. You have the Holy Ghost. You better know for you. You better know for you, because it's not the same for everybody. You need to know. You need to know. And you need to know, and you can know. I said you can know. See, when you know the future, it takes a lot of fear away. Well, it shouldn't have any fear anyway, right? But if I knew, you know, if I was a boxer, if I was in the Olympics right now, and I was in the gold medal match, and I knew that I was going to pound the dude, and I was going to win the gold medal, I could walk in there. You might walk in with a little more. (laughs) If you absolutely knew. And if you even knew, the first right hook you throw, he's out. It's like it's just going to take one. Ah, yeah. Where's the gold medal? <laughs> There's just some more confidence. Not arrogance. doesn't have to be arrogance. More confident comes when you know the future. Do you know your future? Well, no, it's a mystery. Well, guess what? 1 Corinthians 14.2. I'll get to James in a minute. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says that when you pray in other tongues, you pray out mysteries. You can know. You can know. What are mysteries for? I said this to you all the time. Mysteries are meant to be solved. I said, and I, and, but you'll get the, I hate watching a movie that's a mystery and then let me decide the end. That's a bunch of baloney, especially if I paid money for it. You should have wrote the ending in. God knows the end. I, I, was, I was thinking about this. There's a lot of times with me, and I'll just give you my example, because those of you who have been around, and, and then my wife can attest to this, I'm kind of like the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I thank my God I pray in tongues more than y'all. So when this little denominational boy got filled with the Holy Ghost finally, and I could pray in other tongues. I just began to pray in other tongues. I'd read my Bible and pray in other tongues. I'd read my Bible while I prayed in other tongues. I'd pray in other tongues in the shower. I'd pray while I was getting dressed. I'd pray while I was driving. I prayed while I was working in other tongues. Not out loud. I wouldn't even think I was crazy, but I prayed out. I don't even it was amazing that God knew accounting. And, and uh, all that kind of stuff. I, began, I, I prayed all the time. I prayed all the time. Still do. And I have the ability here because I'm the boss here. And this is a church. I can walk down the halls and pray in other tongues here. Now, you may not be able to do that and probably shouldn't do that at work. But uh, sometimes if you need to, you can go out in your car and, and pray in other tongues or, or, or you can pray within yourself, right? But I thank my God I pray in other tongues. Uh, you know, I thank God for it. It has changed my life. And a lot of it, though, um, has helped me with the future. Um, we found this um, in our life, two things, that a lot of times when something's coming up, the Lord will begin to give me things. Now, you can't copy this, okay, because he may not use you this way. But with me, when it comes to things that are coming in my future, he makes it almost like a puzzle, 
like something fun. Like um, uh, some of the staff will remember this, have been here a long time. When I, during Wednesday prayer, I do it on Wednesday prayer. So I pray out things. Talk about praying out your future. How many know you can know the future? And how many know you should know the future? If you can pray out a mystery and the Holy Ghost has come to show you things to come, you don't need a prophet. Thank God for prophets. But you don't, need, you don't have to have someone give you a word to tell you what's coming up. And if they give you a word and it doesn't make sense or it doesn't settle well, you should throw it away. I'm talking about praying. I'm talking about praying. I'm talking about you watching. I'm talking about you knowing things that are to come. Know where you're supposed to be, where you're not supposed to be, who you're supposed to hang with, where if you should move somewhere or not move somewhere. Just because it's a grand opportunity, I can give you story after story after story. They got a $20,000 raise, but their whole family fell apart. You need to know where you're supposed to be. It's not a time to guess. It's not a time to try. God is not obligated to bless what you do. He's not. The steps of a righteous are ordered of the Lord. That's the only thing he'll bless in your mother's womb before you did anything right or wrong. He had a course for you. And it's your job to figure it out. It's your job to find it out. You don't get to do what you want to do if he's your master, if he's your savior, if he's the Lord of your life. Lord means Lord. Amen. Amen. Where are we? James chapter 5, hold my place there. James 5, James 4.13. James 4.13. Go ye now that say today or tomorrow we'll go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get game. So this is a person who's going to move and do what they want to do. And I'm going to move to this city and I'm going to go there a year and this is what I'm going to do. And this is what the Lord says. Whereas you don't know what shall be on the morrow. You don't know what tomorrow holds. In the natural, you don't know what tomorrow holds. Yeah, but I studied it out. Uh, this, this is my opportunity. Da, 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 da. You don't know what tomorrow holds. What is your life? It's even a vapor. Now, people use this for funerals. Have you ever heard it? They get all King Jamesy. What is your life? The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. We don't know when our day is up. That's not true. It's not scripture. You can increase your life. There, there's, not, there's, not, there's not a roulette wheel in the sky that tells you when your day's up. You can increase your life. You can, you can shorten your days. You can shorten your days. You live in and practice sin, you can shorten your days. But if you live, uh, you know, um, one of the things, you know, as children, you ought to teach them to honor their father and mother because it'll lengthen their days. Brother Hagin used to say, if you didn't, repent and find another scripture. But we can teach our children to honor us. It'll lengthen their days. So what you ought to say, uh, what is your life? It's a vapor that appears a little time and vanishes away. For what you ought to say, if the Lord wills. So we'll do this, we will live and do this. So it's not talking about being alive or being dead. It's talking about where you live. It's talking about your life. So you got to pray to know that. And since I don't know that, it's a mystery. What's the best thing to do? If i got a decision to make, I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to pray it out. Lord, i got this opportunity. Should I do this? What is what I do? I don't need to interpret that. I'll get into that in a minute. But you can pray in the Holy Ghost. Every believer needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Every, every born-again believer. This is not a Pentecostal doctrine. This is a doctrine. This is not a Pentecostal idea. This is a Jesus idea. It's not a man-made thing. This is, this is what the Lord said. He said, you don't go anywhere until you get this. Get what? The power. 
Get what? The fire. And with an evidence of speaking in other tongues. You need this. And then there's abilities that come. One of them is praying out your future. And if the Lord requires you to be at a certain place at a certain time, to live in a certain city and do this or do that. So I, we don't tell, you don't tell your children, you can grow up and be whatever you want to be. I know that's famous, but that's not right. You're going to grow up and be what God wants you to be. Because that's the only way you're going to be content. That's the only way you're going to be, you know, pleasing to God and have a pleasing life. Because when, when your steps are ordered of the Lord, when you're walking in his steps, that's what he blesses. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's called to be a preacher. That means if God's called you to be a teacher in a public school, if God's called you to be an engineer, a banker, a chef. I always like to talk about chefs. I believe in anointed chefs. Hallelujah. You know, whatever you're called to do and you're doing it and it's unto the Lord. If you're a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home dad, that's what you're called to do. Then there's an anointing on it. There's a grace on it. That's your place. You're doing what he said. And sometimes there's a range of what you can do that will be pleasing to the Lord. There's always just one specific thing. There's a range of what you can do that can be pleasing to the Lord. But what you ought not do is say, well, I'm going to do this. Now, Lord, I just need you to bless it. Not required. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Well, I'm going to do it, and then I'm going to repent, and then he'll bless me. Try it and call me and see how it works. Because you repent, he'll tell you to get back in your place. Could cost you a lot of money and time if you'd have just prayed, if you'd just obeyed. Everybody shout, Jesus is Lord. Woo, hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Is he the Lord of your life? How do I know where to be to do this, to do that? You got to pray. You got to believe. Not just pray in tongues. But believe when you pray in tongues, you're praying out a mystery. Praying in tongues doesn't give you faith. It builds upon your most holy faith, Jude 20. So if I'm trying to be led, what do I got to believe? I got to believe John chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. I am his sheep. I know his voice. The voice of a stranger I will not follow. That doesn't mean he's obligated to speak to you with a handwriting on a wall or an angel flyby. What that means is in your spirit, you know his voice. You know how to follow the unction. Romans 8, 14, as a son of God, you're led by the spirit of God. John 18, 37, because you're of the truth, you hear him. Uh, Revelation, he who, uh, talking to the churches, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the church. You know his voice. Come on, everybody say, I know his voice. You're not trying to learn his voice. You know his voice. No excuses. You know it. How do I know it? Well, the same place you know you're born again. 1 John 5 and 10 says you have a witness. That's how, you, how do you know you're born? I just know. Well, that's how you are led. That's how you're guided. One of the ways to do that is to pray in other tongues. Back to where I was, third or fourth where I was. Um, how the Lord deals with me in praying out tongues may not be how he deals with you. On, with me and Pastor Rhonda, and she just has to, she's had to learn to work with me because he does lead her differently. She, her and I pray a little different somewhat, but we pray together. We've learned how to pray together over these years. We get a lot done in the spirit. But what he does with me sometimes is uh, he'll send me on an interesting treasure hunt is a good way to say it. Way back in the A-frame, I started praying out on Wednesdays. Uh, it's, like the, uh, it's like the bridge over the river Kwai. 
It's like, what in the world? And so I pray that out. And so I tell people to pray around me. Now, if I say something out of my spirit in English, and it's because, see, you will pray in the spirit and you'll pray in the understanding. Doesn't mean you pray out of your head. I sing in the spirit and I sing in the understanding. What does that mean? I, I'll pray in the Holy Ghost, but I can also pray in my known tongue by, inter, by inspiration. I don't have to get out of the spirit. I just pray. The Bible says, if you pray in an unknown tongue, pray that you may interpret. Doesn't mean you're ever going to give a tongue in public. But within your own prayer time, if you learn how to do this and have faith in this, you can have a sense even. doesn't even have to come out in English or Spanish or French. But you can have a sense of what you're praying about and have knowings. But for me, like that, it's like the bridge over the river Kwai. What in the world? And I kept praying it out. So I was like, okay, so we looked it up. What is the bridge over? I mean, that happened in World War something. Want to, okay, we got some people. I, I used to want to be a history teacher. Rhonda said, I don't know how you want to be a history teacher. You don't know anything about history. And so um, World War II. And so um, it, it's a long story. But the end was this English uh, uh, Major general, I don't know who he was. The, the English, they built this bridge. They were in Japanese prison camp. And so they built this bridge so that the Japanese could um, supply uh, to the rest of people things that they needed to blow up the rest of everything that they needed. And so this man took such pride. And that, the movie may have exaggerated, but I didn't have time to go back and read. I just ran into the movie. Hallelujah. And so, you know, the movie maybe not as accurate maybe because it's a movie. But, I mean, he was, his prisoners built it. He was so proud of his bridge. So proud of it. So proud of what he built. The buildings, the structures, the programs. He was getting so proud of what he built. And so these people came, the British, his people came to blow up the bridge. And he saw them getting ready to blow up his bridge. And he tried to fight them to keep them from blowing up his bridge. He forgot what he was doing. He lost sight of his call was to protect the British Empire or whatever. And so he was going to yield to the enemy because no one's going to blow up my beautiful bridge. And that bridge needed blown up. So I'm not going to get into why the Lord told me that. But after I saw the movie, I went, oh. I had something recently, more recent history, something going on, squirrely stuff. Didn't know what was going on. I kept praying out this word. It's a kabuki show. It's a kabuki show. Well, I ain't heard. No, I mean, what in the world is a kabuki? Is that real? Um, what is a kabuki show? And so I had to look up kabuki show and see what it was. And I kept praying. That one I kept praying on and praying on. It's a kabuki show. And so, you know, it's just a big put on. Fooled you. Big put on. Lord, it was the biggest kabuki show I'd ever been a part of. But see, that's how the Lord deals with me. Why didn't he just say this, this, this? I don't know. I, I can't dictate it. you got to learn how he works with you, though. Because for me, I think sometimes when he tells me stuff straight, I forget about it. Because I always think I'll remember it. But when he says kabuki show, you can't really forget kabuki show. Bridge over the river quiet. You can't forget that. Interesting stuff. 
So what am I doing, though? I'm praying out the future. Praying out the mystery. Him working with me. How he can work with me to get. He'll do it with you, though. Um, You need to pray out your future right now more than ever before. Dr. Mary Francis, when you ever hear her talk on prayer, she calls it like you're the locomotive, like the train. And when you pray, you lay out tracks. But you see, if you don't lay out the tracks in your life, when the engine gets to the place where there's no more tracks, it'll crash. And that's why so many people who are born again, who love Jesus, who are filled with the Holy Ghost, who even pray and speak in other tongues, um, they get to something in life and they don't know what to do. You should, for the most part, pray out your future. And that's one of the things I love about our prayer groups and things around here uh, is they help us to pray out in front of things. Sometimes they pray out in front of a service. They get a big kick when they pray out the whole, almost the whole service and I do it exactly or Pastor Rhonda does it exactly like they prayed out. It's a lot of fun. But in that, the Lord can warn you of things. The traps the devil has set. Who to hang with, who not to hang with. Where to, where to be, where not to be. Three job opportunities, which one to take. It, just knowing stuff. When you get to it, how do you do that? So one of the things we've known in our life, just because of how the Lord dealt with this, a lot of times we pray out a couple years in advance. And then when you get to something, you're like, I don't know why, but I know exactly what to do. What is that? That's the Holy Ghost. Can you live that way? You can live that way. It's not something for a pastor, a preacher, for a prophet. It's for you. But you got to pray in other tongues. Come on. you got to pray in other tongues. You've got something and you've learned about something that most people, even in Pentecostal churches, who agree on paper that this is for today, don't practice. Most people who believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and other tongues don't, don't know anything about praying in other tongues, praying out mysteries, praying out their future. This is something, come on, just like we tell the little kids, you, you, you've got a secret language that you can talk to the Father. He can share things with you and you can pray out your future. You can pray out a mystery. And when you get to it, you'll be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Amen. Amen. It's so important. So let's, let's talk about this. <laughs> let's see if I let's look at a note and see if I was anywhere where I thought I was going. Eh, not really. Um, let's um, let's um, do this because I think sometimes, and I want to make sure everybody's on the same page. I know this is a Wednesday night, but um, let's look at First Corinthians chapter fourteen. Let's bring a little order to pray in other tongues. We do a lot of um, Pastor Belinda leads on the wall here. We have prayer groups, um, Wednesday noon prayer, and if you're new to this, and so I just want to get everybody on the same page when it comes to some things. Um, maybe you were in a church where they believed on paper and prayed in other tongues. When we got together, they only prayed like in English. And how many know praying the scripture is one of the high, is the highest way to pay, pray? It is the safest way into the realm of spirit. Because Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and life. And what we're trying to do is get in the spirit. That's why they call praying in the Holy Ghost. They call it praying in the spirit. Even the Bible calls it that way. But I want to give it some order because I believe you're going to be seeing it more and more and you need to be more comfortable with it and you need to be able to cooperate with it. And I I sense even more so that corporately praying together in other tongues, answers are going to be revealed to people. Um, Things are going to come to people and we're going to know what to do. So it's not going to become, so the devil's trying real hard to keep us all apart. 
But the Lord is going to draw us together. And when we get together and we get to do these things, then there's more, more, more things going to come up. So here in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, the tongue talkers. These people talk in tongues. They operate in the gifts of the Spirit. They don't know much about the Word. This is the church that they're living in sin. Remember he said, you want me to, I can only come to you as a mere man. So just because you talk in tongues doesn't make you spiritual. Doesn't make you mature. It's not the point of arrival. In other words, I'd rather see the fruit of the Spirit in someone's life than, the, than all nine gifts in operation. What does that mean? How many of you know you can have both? But, but yielding to the Holy Ghost, praying in other tongues, and even the manifestations of the Spirit do not prove anyone's maturity level. The fruit of the Spirit proves maturity. Amen. Now you can be both. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you can be both, right? So, so the gifts of the Spirit is like around here. I remember when Pastor Ron and I first got married, she had to have the real Christmas tree. You know, the kind you cut off and the, the evergreen and you bring it in your house, you put it in water, you decorate it all up and it smells beautiful. And then when it's dead, there's things everywhere. Anyway, so, but, and what do we do with that Christmas tree? We decorate it. We put lights on it. We put bulbs on it. We put an angel on the top or a star. What are, what are you doing? But you see, it's cut. It was living, but it's dead. We, it, it, that, that tree did not produce that light. That tree did not produce its beauty. You put it on it. That's what the manifestations of the Spirit are. God puts that on you. Just God puts that on you. And it just means you yielded. Didn't mean anything else. It just means you yielded. Didn't mean you're special. Didn't mean you're a prophet now because you prophesied one time. That doesn't mean it at all. It just means he, he put some lights on you. Glory to him, not glory to you. But the fruit tree... That comes from a root. That comes from a seed of that fruit. And that has to grow up. And when that grows up, it produces fruit. And then people get to partake of that fruit. And as it produces that fruit, there's seed in it to produce it again. So the fruit of the Spirit comes from you walking in the Spirit. And if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not produce the, you'll not produce the, the yield to the lust of your flesh. And so it's important to know, though, so Paul's talking to this church who are, they got a lot of gifts, but not much fruit. And so he's trying to set it in order. And so it's important to know that, uh, because one of the things we always want about our church is we want it to be safe. I like fire, but um, not really out of control wildfire. Um, I want the gifts and manifestation, but we don't have chaos. While we're laying hands on people, you're not laying hands on people. When, when God is moving, you're not going around the room prophesying to people. Because this is not your meeting. Um, that causes people to be afraid. <laughs> And concerned. If I go to church there, I want to get a word. I don't know who Sister Sally is, but she's got one for everybody. No. No, that's out of order. It's out of order. So the Lord likes order, but he also likes power. Come on. It's not chaos with God. He doesn't do chaos. But there's a whole lot of things going on in heaven at one time. But it's in order. 
Are, are you with me? So, so 1 Corinthians 14, Paul's putting this tongue-talking church in order. And so let's do that because uh, it'll help you have faith or be able to understand I'm praying in the spirit. I'm going to do my future uh, for me personally. Then I'm going to bring it together corporately. So I talked to you about you personally. Now we're just trying to talk about how we do this corporately. Because it is important to understand that when we get together corporate, the corporate anointing is higher than your individual anointing. It's, you can do lots of stuff on your own. But if one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. That's not just married couples, but you get a group of people together. Uh, you know, as the Bible says, woe to a man when he's alone if he falls. We always need, we, we need to, uh, when, when Peter and John preached and the man at the gate, beautiful got healed, they went to their own company. Come on, we, you need a company of believers who, at a drop of a hat, you can get some crazy friends around you who know how to pray. And, and, and we need to learn how to pray some things through. So Paul was getting things in order. And so this is a tongue-talking place. And so he told them in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, when you pray in tongues, you, pray, you speak out mysteries. And then he talked about verse 3. He that prophesies speaks to men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. He speaks in an unknown tongue, edifies himself. But if he prophesies, he edifies the church. I would that you all spoke with tongues, but rather you prophesied, for greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. So here he's talking. So he's first talking about praying out mysteries. That's private. He's talking to you individually. Verse 2. Then he, he moves. So you've got to look in chapter 14 how he moves between private and public. Private and public. And if you get the two confused, it will cause confusion in your life. And when you're in a setting... So I'm try, I want to do that as we, I don't know what the Lord's setting up for, but this is what I feel like I'm supposed to do. So when you prophesy or you give a tongue and interpretation, what's that for? That's for the edifying of the body. Now let's just say this. So if we're praying, you don't need, when we're just praying in other tongues, we're just having a prayer meeting, we're praying in other tongues, that doesn't need to be interpreted. That's us praying together, praying out, it doesn't need to be interpreted. But when someone gives a tongue, so if I'm up here and I said, everybody stand, I'm not asking you to right now. Everybody stand up here and let's just pray in the Holy Ghost. We can all just pray in the Holy Ghost. It's legal. It's right. And it's scriptural. Because we're not talking to one another. Because Paul said later, he said, I'd rather have five intelligible words than 10,000 in tongues. What does that mean? If I'm talking to you, you got to understand me. I come with a psalm. I come with a scripture. I come with doctrine. I come with a tongue. And then I come with interpretation. So if I said, everybody, let's get up and pray, we can all pray in the Holy Ghost together, pray in tongues. Every born-again believer ought to be filled with the Holy Ghost so everybody could do that. But if someone gives a tongue, what should you do? You should be quiet. You should be quiet. And then if someone, then someone has to have an interpretation. Now, um, you know, at different places it works different ways. Like a lot of times when I preach, I'll have a tongue right in the middle of it. It'll surprise me and I'll have to take a minute and then I'll interpret it. Uh, sometimes if we have some things, someone gives a tongue, I'll have the interpretation. Or, if, or sometimes I'll know someone has something and someone else, I'll know that because I'm interpreting the service. But what happens is this. So everything has to be done in decently in order. So if you have a tongue... Um, then, then you would know by the Holy Ghost or the person in charge would know for you to give it. Now, I didn't always know this because I got filled with the Holy Ghost and then nobody taught me nothing. So I had to learn a lot of things about trial and error. And there was some error. <laughs> there was some error until my Aquila, Priscilla, took me aside 
and showed me the way more correctly from the word. Because, see, I grew up in a little, so when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I was in a charismatic free-for-all church. Everybody laid hands on everybody. Everybody prophesied to everybody. It was a mess. Prayer meeting was a gossip session. Hallelujah. Pray for brother so-and-so. I saw him down at the bar. <laughs> Literally. And so, <laughs> more than once. Probably can't count them. Anyway, so, um, so you know, it's like um, you, you, ha- you have to make sure that we do things decently in order. And so, we have to be taught. So, I was trying to get out of it, but I guess I'm gonna, I can't. So um, when I first got filled with the Holy Ghost, I went to um, my uh, friend Priscilla Aquila, Margaret, took me to a meeting with a guy that ended up later being my boss and my pastor. And he was known as a, a revivalist. And so I was in his meeting, and I mean, the Holy Ghost was flowing. Unlike I had ever seen, I mean, God was moving. And I felt like I had something. So right when he's preaching, I just start belting out a tongue. I had something because I had the shakes. See, that's how I always knew I had something because I had the shakes. Till that one day Patsy at Rama yelled at me, told me to stop it in front of 2,000 people. That was fun. When she came preach here, I said, you did that. You remember? She says, oh, Mark, I'm sure I never did anything quite like that. Yep, you sure did. Anyway, so this man, I'm, try, I'm giving a tongue. I think it's from God. He's so kind and gracious. He just talked over the top of me. Then afterwards, took me aside, invited me to the pastor's house. Said, son, I sense there's a call in your life. You need to go to Ramah and, uh, so you can learn some stuff. And learn I did. And just because you mess up or make a mistake doesn't mean you have to keep doing it. Uh, since we're here, you know, we're talking about spiritual things, and I don't know if this sermon has a point A, B, C, and D. I don't think it did. This is one of them um, buckshot, you know, everything went everywhere, and you just grab what you need. It's not often the way I do things, if you're new. Um, I like the line upon line stuff. But, um, you know, uh, what I was talking about, so after I got filled with the Holy Ghost, the Lord really did start using me in tongues of interpretation. Um, and it was real. It was legitimate. But I didn't know the difference. And then people started elevating me, started coming to me with questions, spiritual questions. At least I had enough sense to say, I don't know. Go talk to the pastor. Because just because I gave a tongue interpretation doesn't mean I know much. I was just learning the Bible to tell you the truth. I was just yielded. It was part of my equipment. The Lord just did it. And But see, when I first got, uh, got delivered, delivered, coming up out of the dung hill, had a lot of dung on me. You've heard my story. I literally shook in my cowboy boots. for four. I had my uh, uh, turquoise belt buckle on and my Wrangler jeans and my, um, I was going through my urban cowboy phase. Like a rhinestone cowboy. You know, I wasn't no cowboy. But I look good in boots. Anyway, so, um, so I was shaking literally 45 minutes in my boot, shook all the out of me and, uh, um, and off me. And um, so I had this, this experience with God, and the first encounter I had with the Holy Ghost was one of shaking. It was real. But anytime the Holy Ghost would approach me, that's what I thought I had to do. 
And so that's what I began to do till it became a habit. So every tongue I would give, the more I shook, the more anointed I thought I was. Until one day when I was in Bible school and the power of God was there in front of 2,300. I hope Patsy watches this. Uh, but it, it really, but honestly, she didn't know me back then. She just saw one little guy out in the crowd being anointed. And she said, you don't have to do that. Stop it. So you know what I did? Because if you know me, I hate to be embarrassed. You can just about do anything to me but embarrass me. I hate it. I had a choice. So I sat down and I thought to myself, you don't have to stay here. Take this. <laughs> Who do they think they are? I'm, you know, I'm a shaker. Hallelujah. <laughs> Or you can stand back up and learn from where the Lord sent you. So with all the strength I could muster, I stood back up. And you know what? It's amazing. It stopped. But the anointing didn't stop. Why am I saying? See, there's ways to cooperate in the Holy Ghost. There are guidelines and rules. And the more you understand them, the more you can cooperate. I didn't have to shake to be anointed. If people shake, that's fine. I don't care. Shake all you want. I might shake with you again. Hallelujah. I don't care. That's not my point. This is not my point. Okay? My point is the, the way God does things. And so here, if you, can, you need to learn to pray in tongues, but when you're in a public setting, then there's decently in an order. And so you've got to know the difference. So when someone gives a tongue, what should you do? You should be quiet. And then someone should interpret it. And, and then what that prophecy or that interpretation will do, it'll edify you. It'll exhort you. It'll comfort you. And then you go back private, and it says um, in verse 13, let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Let him that uh, speaks for if I pray. So this is talking about you personally again. It's talking about you praying. If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, my understanding is unfruitful. So now it's talking about praying. And it says if you pray that way, pray that you would interpret. So while you're praying in the Holy Ghost, interpret doesn't mean you speak out word for word what you're praying in other tongues, but you could have a knowing. You could have something in the future that you know to do. You could have something coming up that you know to stay away from. The Lord can keep you out of confrontations. The Lord can keep you away from, well, let's be real, infections. The Lord can put you at the right place where somebody is going to lead you to your dream job. I had this earlier, and I didn't know where to give it. I thought it was somebody up on the platform. But it's like a side, it's, they're offering, somebody offering you a job looks like a sidestep, but it's only a temporary sidestep into your dream. So it seemed like it was somebody up here. Hallelujah. It's only a sidestep into your dream. It's only a sidestep into your dream. So don't be discouraged with it. Don't say no to it. Pray, make sure I'm right. But it's a sidestep, but it's a sidestep to your dream because there's a step after it. Hallelujah. I don't think it will take a long time either. Hallelujah. So um, what is it then? Verse 15, I will pray in the spirit and I will pray in the understanding. I will sing in the spirit and I will sing in the understanding also. So privately praying in the Holy Ghost, having interpretation has to do with you. Uh, following the Holy Ghost as you pray, uh, I'd recommend that you get a journal. 
You pray out what you're sensing, write it down. Um, um, if you're praying in a, a little group or a family, you know, what did the Lord say? What did you sense? Anything like that. And then when you're pay, praying corporately, understand that even in a prayer meeting, manifestations of the Spirit can break out. And so then it's different. So someone, the leader maybe, gives a tongue. Then we all get quiet and somebody interprets it. But if we're all just praying in the Holy Ghost, there's no necessary, it's not necessary for an interpretation. You may get some things. You may, you may, you may uh, have some things. If you're praying corporately together, uh, even if nobody asks you, I would, I would write things down that you got. The Holy Ghost will train you. Because then when you need to know something individually, you'll have confidence to know this is God talking to me. When he tells you, you know, uh, today, I don't want you to go to your normal route. You sense, not a voice. I just sense, oh, I shouldn't go the normal way. I need to go a different way. It's longer. It's 10 minutes longer. Well, 10 minutes of your life, you choose. Or a wrecked car. Make it be just about a, a fender bender. But ha have you ever had a fender bender before? How many know it's not, it, with your cars, it's not, it's not like the old fender benders. <laughs> These fender benders are $5,000. These fender benders are uh, a pain. How many of, he can keep you out of annoyance and delay? Oh, I want to let him go. Let's talk about, let's, give me something about Rhonda. Oh. Because oh. you can miss things. You know, um, I've gotten better. I can't say I'm perfect at it. But there's been times, um, I tell this story all the time. But you can know things. How many, are you, are you getting what I'm trying to get to you? You can know things. But then in a corporate setting, you need to know how to behave. You need to know how to behave. There's, there's rules. There's, there's rules, God-given rules. Why? That makes everybody comfortable. That, ma that makes the things go higher. And what happens, you know, corporately will help you individually. What you do individually will help us corporately. We all need to get a little more fine-tuned. Amen? We know the future. Now, if God doesn't reveal to you, you just got to know if you, if you come up to something and he didn't reveal it to you, that you got this. Your faith's going to work and you're going to get through. You just didn't need to know about it. Sometimes I think we hyperventilate over things that are nothing. The devil wants them big. And they're really nothing. If God hadn't warned you about it, you can walk on through it. Just keep using your faith. But there's times, you know, I, I, I can't stand up here and boldly declare to you that I've always done this well. You know, uh, one of the things we do around here is, man, we pray over our missions trips. Pastor Ron and I used to lead them, and then Belinda used to lead them, and now Annie leads them, and now Daniel leads them. And, and, but everybody we train, we're like, you've got to have this thing prayed out from top to bottom. There is no question mark. You have prayed it out, all right? And it comes from, uh, like, probably this one trip Robert and I were going on. Robert was really young. I think he was just excited with, you know, to get to go with me. We were going to Brazil. Uh, Pastor Rhonda didn't get to go. Brazil's my, my country. It's where I cut my teeth on. Do Brazil, do Brazil. Yeah, I kind of still even root for them in, in, in football. And, and you know, I, I love Brazil because uh, it's got the best meat in the whole wide world. How have you ever been to the Bra Tejas for day Brazil? Go, man. It's good. And, and, just, and it's just like that, only better. Um, even their gas stations are good restaurants. I mean, it is amazing. She would never eat at one. But, I mean, they're amazing. And so we're down there, and I'm drinking Guadana, and I'm excited. I'm taking Robert. And so we're going, and, you know, uh, you know, we got this big trip and going to preach at a Bible school, and Robert's going with me. And um, Pastor Rhonda one night says, um, she leans over to me. We're asleep, and I think she says, danger, 
High CC still remembers. Danger, hassle, and delay could be avoided if you would just pray. So went and told Robert. And then she had a little something. She saw us being held up on a bus, taking a bus at gunpoint. And see, I'd gone to Brazil many times. And this is what they do in Rio where you land and you're going somewhere. They have these buses. And they watch tourists uh, get on them. And then they signal down the road, like, how many, if this is going to be a good haul. And then they hold you up by gunpoint, take you off, take your passports, take all your money. Sometimes shoot you. So when she said, she didn't know that, when she said that, I'm like, hmm. She saw that. I was like, oh. So I told Robert, we got to pray. So this is what we did. We came up to the sanctuary back in the A-frame, and we did our little shandalalas. And we shandalalaed for a little while. And we're like, we're good, we're good, we're good. We're going to Brazil. I've never had anything bad happen in Brazil. So we're going to Brazil. We're going, yay, do Brazil, do Brazil. So anyway, so we go, and uh, we go, we get on the plane. You've heard, some of you heard parts of this story. So we get on the plane, and um, I don't know if you've ever been on a plane, and as you take off, you hear a boom. It's very uncomfortable. It causes silence uh, on, of everybody that's on board. It causes, it causes the flight attendants to look worried. Boom. So later, as we're going, we find out that we blew a tire. Okay? So we blew a tire. Annoyance. Danger. You know, danger. We's in danger right now. <laughs> Hassle <laughs> and delay. Because, so he says, well, we can't go to Rio. Uh, we're going to turn around. And for first thing we're going to do is we're going to dump fuel. We have a full load of fuel from Atlanta going to Rio. So as we're dumping fuel, I, I don't understand this stuff, but as we're dumping fuel, an electrical storm starts. Not a small one. I mean, it's pretty. But I'm thinking gas. I don't know if anything could have happened, but it didn't. And then the flight attendants came around, and as we're dumping fuel for a half an hour, they come around and they teach us all how to bend over grab our knees and kiss our butt goodbye. And one of them's crying. They're nervous. And then the captain gets on and says, don't be alarmed. It's normal for the runway to be lined with ambulances and fire trucks. Don't be alarmed. Oh, that's very comforting. Well, I'll tell you one thing I did. While Robert and I, we didn't care who was there. We began to pray in tongues like nobody's business. And we met and spoke the word. Well, thank God. Obviously, I'm here and he's here. We landed safely. And then I got in and I called Rhonda and I said, I told her, I said, you call everybody you know. First of all, I repent. I repent, I repent, call everybody you know, because, whoo, that was close. And so she called the prayers, and they prayed, and the thing was this, you know. So they got us a new plane, and we're getting ready to take off. And then suddenly, at the captain, the co-captains, and all the flight attendants file out of the plane. I'm like, where are you going? And they're like, well, we can't fly because we'll go over our hours. So what are you going to do? Well, we got to 
gather a makeshift crew from Atlanta, so it'll take us a while. We've got to call everybody. So three or four hours later, we get a new crew. So it was back before the age of cell phone. So the guy who's waiting on me, we didn't show up, so he left us. Yeah, he was there to pick us up because I told him, so I remember I fixed it. I told him to rent a car, I'd pay for it, so I don't have to get on no bus. So I thought I fixed it. I, so I just did it in the natural. So sometimes when you pray stuff out, you can't fix it in the natural. you got to get all of it. So I fixed it, though. I got a rental car, but he didn't stick around in his rental car. He went back home. So now we're stuck there again while he has to drive four hours back. We're tired. There's a lot of annoyance, delay, problems. And then I'm tired, and then I get in there, and I realize this guy doesn't know who I am, and so this class is not even ready for me. And so I get in there, and I have no utterance. And nothing happens. And Robert's just happy to be in Brazil alive. <laughs> but I'm not. So we stayed up all night and prayed. The next day I went in there and I started calling that people out by name. I didn't even know their names. So I touched the heart of God and we had church and I had all their attention. But I'm just, listen, don't let those unctions go. You can pray things out. It'll save you a lot of trouble. I'm really talking to somebody. I don't know who it is. Don't make your decisions based on what you see. Don't make your decisions based on an opportunity and what you think will be better. Don't ignore when the Holy Ghost, that unction on the inside or somebody's warned you. Pray till you know. What difference does it make if you're a week or two late on something versus ruining your life or your children's life? Be at the right place at the right time. What is your life? It's even a vapor. lasts a little while. What you ought to say is the will of the Lord be done. He can have you at the right place at the right time, the right job around the right people. I mean, with this one, Lord, before you get married, I'm glad I prayed and she's glad she prayed, but you need to know. Amen. You just need to know. We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.